Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, I, I'm excited to continue our, our series on um, Jonah this week. Uh, we are walking a continuous journey through the book of Jonah. And, and this is a short prophetic book. Um, and and I, re- I really want to focus our attention and our reading of the story uh, through the lens of transformation. As we talk this year about becoming new, about God taking us from, from this place and transforming us into something new, what can we learn from the book of Jonah uh, this year? Who is transformed in this story and how are they transformed? Who is obedient and what do they do in this story? All of these questions help us dig just a little bit deeper into this process and into this journey uh, of becoming new. I encourage you, like I did last week, find eight to ten minutes this week and read through the whole story of Jonah. Did anybody do it this past week? Putting you on the spot a little bit? Some of you did? Awesome. Wonderful. That's great. Uh, I encourage you to to just read it all in one sitting. Uh, Today we pick up where we left off last week. Uh, We had read through Jonah 1-4 last week, so we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1 verse 5 and read through verse 16. For those who are willing and able, I invite you to stand out of the reverence for reading of God's word. Reading Jonah 1, verses 5 through 16, reading from the Common English Bible. The sailors were terrified, and each one cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to make it lighter. Now Jonah had gone down into the hold of the vessel to lie down and was deep in sleep. The ship's officer came and said to him, How can you possibly be sleeping so deeply? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will give some thought to us so that we won't perish. Meanwhile, the sailors said to each other, Come on, let's cast lots so that we might learn who is to blame for this evil that's happening to us. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, Tell us, since you're the cause of this evil happening to us, What do you do and where are you from? What's your country and of what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were terrified and said to him, What have you done? The men knew that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. They said to him, Further, what will we do about you so that the sea will become calm around us? The sea was continuing to rage. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm around you. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The men rowed to reach dry land, but they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. 
So they called on the Lord, saying, Please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life, and don't blame us for innocent blood. You are the Lord. Whatever you want, you can do. Then they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. The men worshipped the Lord with a profound reverence. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made solemn promises. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So last week, uh, we started our, our story on Jonah, and a couple of you referenced a recent news story, for, for sure thinking that I would, would talk about it, and I saved it for this week. Did you hear about the, the lobster diver in Cape Cod? You hear this story. I've got excerpts here in case you didn't. A commercial lobster diver said he escaped relatively unscathed after nearly being swallowed by a humpback whale. This was published June 12, 2021. In a biblical-sounding encounter that whales experts describe as rare but plausible, he told the station that he was about 45 feet down in the water when he suddenly felt this huge bump and everything went dark. He initially feared he had been attacked by a shark. Then I felt around, and I realized there was no teeth. That's a good situation. And and, and I had felt really great, no great pain, he said. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm in a whale's mouth. I'm in a whale's mouth, and he's trying to swallow me. After about half a minute, the whale rose to the water surface and began shaking its head from side to side. Apparently, the diver was not tasty. And he says, I just got thrown in the air and landed in the water, Packard recalled, and I was free. I just floated there. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I got out of that. Um, and, and there's a, a story of some of his, uh, his fishing partners. He says, I saw Mike come flying out of the water, feet first with his flippers on and land back in the water. I jumped aboard the boat. We got him up, got his tank off. Got him on the deck and calmed him down. And he goes, Joe, I was in the mouth of a whale. So anyway, um, close encounters for Mr. Packard, uh, the lobster diver. There's been all sorts of theories this week in, in the news about, is this true or is this not true? I, I, don't, I don't know. An interesting story for sure. But Jonah's story continues here. We continue to set up the story of what's going on with Jonah and what he's been invited, what he's been called to do. Last week we heard, we heard the call of God on Jonah's life. We heard what he was supposed to do. Go, get up and go and preach to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city, a vast capital of the Assyrian Empire. And, and it was located up to the northeast from where Jonah, Jonah was. And instead of going to the northeast, Jonah goes to the southwest to a coastal city called Joppa. And he hops aboard a boat heading for Tarshish, which was all the way across the Mediterranean Sea, far away from Nineveh. He's running. And when we left Jonah in verse 4, the ship he was sailing on, sailing off upon, was having some issues, breaking apart. It says seasoned sailors were, were crying out to their gods. Um, I, I, sometimes things kind of converge. Um, the, the reading that we had um, today in the psalm talked about uh, the raging sea uh, and the way that, that sailors sometimes are tossed about. 
by the power and the might of the ocean. That's just the psalm for the lectionary cycle this, this week. It just happened to be hmm, interesting when that happens. But do any of you struggle with being on boats? Do any... Do, do any uh, she, she left the room so I can talk about her. My wife doesn't have lots of very... She doesn't have good sea legs. She gets, she gets sick really easy. Um, been a couple of things we've done recently. Um, we were in Hawaii and went on this dinner cruise. Yeah, she spent the time by the rail, you know, just in case. Uh, we went to go watch whales. She tried to keep her eyes on the horizon, you know, all the tips that you get. Uh, she admits it. Big boats for her, little boats, any boats. They're not, they're not for her. Um, but this storm must have been something. These were sailors by trade. These were men that were on the sea all the time. And, and this, the story of the sea that raged against them was threatening the integrity of the boat, about ready to break the boat apart. They were hurling things off the ship, saying, okay, we're going to lose this money because we want to save our lives. That's the nature of this storm for these seasoned sailors. And we check in on Jonah. What's Jonah doing? Radam. That's the, that's the Hebrew word for what, what Jonah was doing. He was deep asleep. Now, this happens to be on Father's Day. Did anybody, maybe you're a father, maybe you had a father that can fall into a radam really quick when the TV's on and don't touch his remote because all of a sudden he's, he's waking back up. Hey, I was watching that. Um, I don't know if any of you have had that experience. That never happens to me. I'm sure of it. Um, but the ship's captain comes, and ironically, the ship's captain, or, or the officer, it says, says two of the exact same things, uses two of the exact same verbs in Hebrew that God had just told Jonah. God had said, get up and go. Go to the city of Nineveh and call out to them the message that I have for them, for they have become so evil that their evil has come up to my attention. What does the officer say? He says, get up. Get up. You're sleeping, Jonah. You're missing. You're missing life. We're in trouble. And he says, call out to your God. Get up and call out to your God. The officer thought one more God being in the mix of people that were praying to you couldn't hurt. And really gives us a picture of where the sailors were. Sailors had these multiple gods, each one calling out to their own God, each one having a prayer to, to this God or that God saying, hey, maybe if we all pray to all of our different gods, one will take notice and one might have mercy upon us and save us. The interesting thing here is Jonah records zero response. <laughs> Jonah doesn't do anything. It doesn't say Jonah was scared. It doesn't say Jonah prayed. It doesn't say Jonah did anything other than wake up and get told by this officer what to do. <laughs> He's still the reluctant prophet. He's still the recalcitrant prophet. Recalcitrant was the, was the, the label that Jonah had been given last week. Um, and I looked up the the definition, because I didn't know. The obstinately uncooperative attitude. The prophet with an obstinately uncooperative attitude. He's still being recalcitrant, even to the officer, even in the middle of the storm. Probably because he was grumpy because he just got woke up. I don't know. 
we move to the next verse and there's this change of location, right? Uh, he's up with the sailors and the sailors are trying to figure out how did we get here? Where did this storm come from? And so they, they do what's called casting lots, okay? It's fairly common in biblical cultures. You see it several times through the Old Testament, several times in the New Testament of, as well where, where people cast lots in order to figure out what's, what's the cause of this storm? What is going on? Well, it falls to, to Jonah, and the interrogation starts. Who are you really? Like, what, what have you done? Where are you from? What is going on? And Jonah has been callous towards Nineveh when God had called him. He had been callous towards the sailors when the, when the captain called him and said, Get up and pray. Pray to your God. Jonah remains unchanged and unaffected by what's going on. Jonah's response to these, this question doesn't really answer these, answer the questions of who are you and, and what have you done, but he answers the question, where are you from? He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Okay, that's a very good answer. Jonah, Jonah gives the best answer he's given so far in the whole book right here in this verse. He, he got it right. He correctly identifies Yahweh, the creator God. He's in line with orthodoxy. He understands who Yahweh is. He's been faithful to study who Yahweh is and knows the stories of creation. And certainly answers in a way that the sailors would have recognized. This is the, the God who made this sea that is breaking apart your boat. This is the God who made the land who represents for us safety in the moment. Finally, Jonah gets something right. There's a, there's a glimmer of hope for Jonah here. And I really think this answer serves two purposes as we read through this, this narrative. First of all, it shows that Jonah is the man of God that we suspect him to be. It really qualifies him as, as a prophet, of, as understanding who God is and being able to deliver a message to the people of Nineveh. This is why God called Jonah. Because Jonah understood. Jonah knew what he was talking about. This is a good thing. But it also shows us, number two, that for Jonah, the answer was more important than action. that knowledge sometimes takes the place over practice. Luckily, we never see this today. That's sarcasm, right? For, for a time, for a time, I think the church was really, really caught up in this, this mode, this view of church, that, that we got we to gotta make sure we, we have the right answers, that we say the right things, that we believe the same things, that we believe the right things, that we understand the answers. I've been encouraged lately by, by a movement. A movement, I would say, primarily of, of younger believers that, that say, we want to act the way God would have us to act. We want to be involved in the world in which we live in a way that, that brings about God's goodness and God's gospel and God's kingdom in the world. I'm challenged 
by believers, young and old, who live with that kind of intensity. That it's not just enough to believe the right things, but to allow our relationship with Christ to become our guiding force for the practices and the way the ways that we live. And don't get me wrong, it's not these practices that save us. We're not venturing into to works-based um, salvation. We don't earn rewards or make it to heaven if we do enough of these good things. Instead, encountering the, the encountering of Jesus so transforms us, so makes us new that we are compelled by the love of God to love this world well. That's, I'm just going to read that again. That was a good. It's a, we're, an encounter, our encounter of Jesus so transforms us, so makes us new, that we are compelled by the love of God to love this world well. Amen? Isn't that what we're called to? And here Jonah stands on this boat getting tossed all around. People have been throwing cargo off the ship to lighten the load. And he has the right answer. But he's still struggling to love well. He didn't go to Nineveh. He went to Joppa so he could sail away. He didn't pray to God. He said, yeah, my, my God's Yahweh. He made everything. But it still doesn't record him praying. We get the sense that Jonah wasn't interested in loving well. I worship the God of heaven, the maker of seas and the dry land. He created all that we saw. And he said, all of this is good. When he got done with creation, what did God say? He said, this is very good. That's the story of creation that we have. And he said, this is the God that I worship. I don't really want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to really call out for help. He's just really struggling with this, turning the corner from having the right knowledge, believing the right things, to living the way that Jonah ought to live. The sailors start asking more questions after his brilliant response, right? What have you done? What in the world has caused this? Did you ever experience that as a kid, like you're out playing in the neighborhood and, and your mom calls and she uses your middle name? right? Trent Douglas Freeberg, get in the house right now. And all your friends are like, ooh, what did you do? What did you do? Um, the sailors are like the friends on the street, right? Like, what did you do in order to cause this? Although they're all on a boat together, so I think the sailors were a little more motivated than your friends in the street. But in the, it's in this next beat in the story that, that floors me just a little bit. After they say, what did you do, with another non-response they ask this question, how do we get out of this? The sailors have, have moved past <laughs> investigative inquiry. <laughs> they're done asking the questions of how we got here. Now they're wanting, how do we get out of here, right? They're, they're like, let's fix the problem, Jonah. The lot fell to you. You're responsible. What do we do? And Jonah does respond to this question. He says, pick me up, throw me into the sea. And it's right about here that I just roll my eyes at Jonah one more time. <laughs> He's just kind of worn me out. I want to step in and say, take a little responsibility, dude. He, he, he couldn't step up and do the right thing himself. <laughs> he didn't jump off the boat. He didn't say, let me, let, me, let me fix your problem for you. 
I'm going to take matters into my own hands. My God will rescue me. I believe that, or maybe he won't. But I'm the problem here. And let me love you well enough that I make it right. Give me a floaty, (laughs) give me a life jacket, and I'll jump into the sea and see how it goes. He doesn't take responsibility. We try to instill this in our kids, right? We try to live this out each day. We know what the right thing is in serving our neighbor, but sometimes it's hard to walk across the street. Sometimes it's hard to, to reach over that fence line. We know what's right when it's easy to cut corners at work, but it's inconvenient. It's a lot of paperwork. We know when we fail to study that we're probably going to get a bad grade, but sometimes it's easier to have a paper that's really close to my paper that my eyes can wander to. We know that the truth makes us sound bad, and so it's easier to just kind of bend the truth a little bit. That's when we Jonah it. That's when we don't take responsibility. That's when we don't step in and say, I need to take responsibility. I know what the right thing is here, and I'm going to do it. (laughs) That was not Jonah's attitude. (laughs) Jonah Jonah burdens someone else with the hard work of doing something right. So sailors, you guys look big and tough and strong. You've been throwing things over the ship all day long. You just have to throw me over too and you'll you'll be good. I've done something ridiculous, and and I'm going to make you clean it up, even though I know what needs to be done. This guy is struggling. Who is this guy that would make these strangers, these sailors, these people who don't know Yahweh, these people who haven't encountered him, who haven't worshipped him, say, trust me, my God's in control. You have to fix the problem, even though it's my problem. Well, the sailors, being the noble ones in this portion of the story, say, no way. We're not going to throw you over. We're not going to do that. They dig deeper into their oars. They struggle. They try to get the boat to safety. They struggle to pull the boat to the safe harbor, saying, we can't, we can't throw you overboard. We just met you. We don't know you. We're not going to do that to you. But they couldn't make any progress, and the ship was coming apart. And their lives, not only Jonah's lives, but all of their lives were, at dan- were in danger. And eventually they resign themselves to Jonah's plan, to Jonah's instruction. But before they do, what do they do? They pray. <laughs> not to their own gods this time. Not to the many gods that were represented in their culture that they had been praying to before. If you have your Bibles open, uh, it's there in verse 14. It has the word Lord Um, And I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but in the Old Testament, sometimes a lot of translations will use the small caps. And so it's a capital L and a capital O-R-D. But the O-R-D is a little bit smaller than the other caps called small caps in in font language. Um, That is the designation reserved for Yahweh in the Old Testament. That whenever they speak about Yahweh, that's how they write it. You'll see it in the Psalms all the time. You'll see it in in several of the, the narrative books of the Bible. And when they pray to the Lord, they pray to this Yahweh God, the one who they had just heard about five minutes before from Jonah. 
the one who even in fleeing knows the right answer and knows this is the God who made the sea. This is the God who made the land. This is the one to whom you need to pray. And it works. You know the story. The sailors throw him in and the storms calm. And the seas die down. And amazingly, all is made fine with this simple action. The simple action of throwing Jonah overboard. And before we get on with the story of Jonah, we have our first amazing and remarkable transformation in the story of Jonah. With the sailors. First of all, God's so interested in Nineveh, so interested in the capital city of this opposing kingdom that was, that, that was a threat to the nation of Israel that he called Jonah and said, go up to Nineveh, go take care of those people. And Jonah's like, no way, I'm taking off this way. And he encounters these sailors who know nothing of Yahweh, who know nothing of the God of Israel. And they're the first ones in this book to hear the good news and to respond and to reach out to Yahweh and to see the power of the God who made the sea and the land. This amazing transformation moment. It says the sailors worshiped with profound reverence. They offered sacrifices and made promises. And even in this first chapter of Jonah, while Jonah's in the sea, after fleeing from what God had told him to do. Jonah is faithful to proclaim the name of Yahweh in the nations. Amen. Good work, Jonah. You're in the sea. <laughs> You're in trouble. But good work. And, and sometimes, I, I, you know, what, what happened to these sailors? They didn't even pray. They didn't even pray the sinner's prayer right? Jonah didn't show them how. He just slept. He was too busy catching some Z's. He didn't even take them to synagogue. He didn't bring them to Mountain Home Church. But I believe that they encountered Yahweh in that moment, that they humbled themselves and prayed to Jonah's God. How could this be conversion? How could this be authentic worship? I don't know. I don't know, but it's great that God doesn't fit in our boxes sometimes. Amen? It's great that God works outside of our understanding. Somehow in this remarkable encounter with God on open seas, their hearts and minds are turned toward God, much more than Jonah's, <laughs> much more than this stubborn prophet. And they worship in spirit and truth to Yahweh, to Jonah's God, the one true God, the God of the heavens, the God of the sea, the God of the dry land. Let me invite the praise team up. And as they come... I believe today God wants to speak to us through this story of transformation, this story of Jonah this morning. Maybe today we're a little bit like Jonah, having the right answers, but not following through on what we know to be right. Maybe today we ask for a loving response to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to strangers, to those other people, the Ninevites, and the foreign sailors. Maybe today we're a little bit like Jonah, laying the burden of doing the right thing on the people around us, struggling to take responsibility. Today we ask God to give you a desire to be holy, 
to do what's right, to take responsibility in our lives. Maybe today we're a little bit like Jonah, stuck in a rut. (laughs) Stuck in a rut. Kind of unresponsive to what God, how God wants to move. I believe when we show up here, God wants to move in our lives. Wants to change us. The pagan sailors were more receptive to God than Jonah. Maybe today we ask God for a tender heart. I don't know where you're at. Every person comes this morning at a different place. But I believe the transformation stories we find in Jonah challenge us to a new place. Challenge us to become new once again this morning. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to be in your house and to worship you. Thank you that today we worship the same God that these sailors prayed to that day. May we offer sacrifices. May we offer authentic worship. May we encounter you today. I pray for each person today in this room, maybe dealing with something entirely other than what we're talking about. Thank you that they're here. Thank you that they've had a chance to worship you. I pray for others in this room that have seen themselves in these stories of Jonah, in these places where, where Jonah found himself. There are times when I see myself as well. Would you give us a tender heart to how you're calling us to change? And the person that you're calling us to be, get up and go. Call out for my kingdom's sake. Be with us and change us today, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So grateful for the love of God that chases us down. Amen. I invite you to stand uh, as we receive the benediction today. Um, As you leave, uh, there's some baskets with some little treats for the men of the congregation this this morning to kind of celebrate uh, Father's Day. Um, And so we want to make sure that you grab one of those on your way out. Um, As a a form of receiving the benediction, I invite you to hold out your hands uh, as a physical reminder of the benediction of God today. Now, all glory to God, who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.